So we had a request for those online to play the bumper video again. I've never had an encore request for the bumper video, but hey. to color in things over the next few weeks, so hopefully it will come together, because we are starting a new series entitled Blueprint Church, and so I, I was thinking about what we've been doing over this, these last 72 or so weeks, and how we began back a year ago, April, began by studying the Sermon on the Mount. We started in Matthew chapter 5, looked at the first chapter, then we did a few other series, then we came back and looked at chapter 6, now we're going to chapter 7. And if you are trying to remember what in the world that was all about, I encourage you, just maybe take some time this week, read chapters 5 and 6 again. But when we think about the Sermon on the Mount and what Jesus is wanting us to, to really engage in thinking about as we go through that, so what's the blueprint for his church? What should the people of God look like? And so as we looked at that bumper video, and it's fun to see the church here, Little Hills Church, show up there, isn't it? But you think about it, how does God build his church? Well, he builds it with his people. And so the opening is all about his people. And what is he doing with those people? Is he sketching us and, and drawing us in and, and coloring us in and giving us full detail? What's he doing? He is bringing us to be more and more like himself. That's what we're going to be thinking about over the next few weeks as we wrap up the Sermon on the Mount, the last few teachings from the Sermon on the Mount, this, this beautiful, beautiful sermon that Jesus preaches. And on the one hand, we could say, well, what more could you possibly add? Why, why are we going through Jesus's sermon and preaching a whole bunch of sermons on it? And yet, here's the thing, just like we were talking a moment ago during announcements about Sunday School Express and that those simple questions that lead to deep conversation, I am so excited about that. I'm so excited for us to delve into that. But those little statements, those seemingly straightforward statements Jesus makes in the Sermon on the Mount, they're some of the most familiar words of Jesus to us. Yeah, they're so deep. They're so challenging. And so what we want to do is just dwell in them and let God start drawing in more of those blueprint lines on our lives and on the life of this church so that we can be more of who it is that God has called us to be. So as we begin tonight, let's go ahead and ask our God to, to help us, to, to see how he's sketching in that blueprint in our lives and to enable us to be that. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we want to be more like you. We want to follow you. Lord, I am so thankful. I look at our church family, uh, both online and in person, and I, I see people that you've gathered who definitely, passionately want to be whom it is that you've called all of us to be. And yet, it doesn't stop there, does it, Lord? Because as much as we want to, you know us, and you know our weakness, and you know our failures, and we need your help. And as we delve into a whole host of topics here in Matthew chapter 7 over the next few weeks, Lord, would you help us to have these truths applied to us and enabled to be strong enough 
to, to do your work because we can't do it on our own. But with your Holy Spirit, we can do the things you've called us to do. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we're going to begin with a very familiar, familiar passage. We're going to begin with Jesus' prohibition on judging. And as we read it, I, I want you to maybe think of a different metaphor than the one he's going to use. Not because it's not a wonderful metaphor, not because it's not one worth exploring, which is exactly what we're going to do over the next few minutes. But because we're so familiar with it, we've, we, we don't really let it soak in. And so I want you to imagine what happens, say you're, you're, you're washing your hair, if you have hair. Not everyone, I can't assume that about everyone here, but if you have hair, uh, you're, you're washing your hair, you put that shampoo on, and you get a little wild, you're maybe a little tired, and it drips down into your eyes. You know that stinging sensation? And you think, ah. Oh. And, and sometimes I'll do that. I'm eyes closed, trying to keep any more shampoo out of my eyes. And, and I'll reach for the towel. And now my eyes are closed. And that towel is right about here. But it might as well be a mile away because with my eyes closed, I'm reaching and grabbing and I'm knocking everything over, right? Because where, where in the world is that towel? It's so hard to get to. little shampoo, just an itty-bitty bit, completely throws off my ability to reach something that's right next to me. It's so hard. And that's the sort of thing that Jesus is getting at. And let's go ahead and hear what he has to say. And as he's describing what the, the log and the speck, this very familiar phrase, be thinking about something that causes your eyes not to work right, like shampoo. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is your brother's, in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Maybe Jesus today, if he were talking to a bunch of people that don't do a lot of woodworking, would use something like shampoo. And he'd say, how are you going to help wipe off the suds off your, your brother's eye, your sister's eye, while you are so covered in suds that your eyes are stinging and, and just basically welded shut? How are you going to do that? And you think about, if you've had that experience, trying to reach that towel, something not hard to do but very hard to do when suddenly you're trying to do it quickly and your eyes are closed and you're just feeling and you hear everything falling on the floor and you're adding up how many minutes it's going to take to clean up everything you just knocked over. Simple task made very hard. Jesus would know very well the experience of getting a speck of wood in his eye because what did Jesus do before he goes and starts preaching? Well, he's raised as a carpenter's son. He's referred to as a carpenter. He had worked with wood, and so he had presumably been planing wood, cutting wood, doing all these things, and the, the sawdust drifts up into his eyes and going like this, trying to get it out, trying to, to see clearly. And a lot of the people, as he's speaking, probably had the same experience. Probably much, there were far more people in that time that may have had that experience than, than say, you and I have today. But we've all had something in our eyes that makes it hard to see. And, and, and that is what Jesus is referring to here. And just a little speck. Isn't it amazing how little the thing can be that goes into our eyes that suddenly makes it hard to see anything? It doesn't have to be big. 
So that's where we actually then get into the absurdity of this metaphor. Jesus is using humor here, and sometimes we, we're so used to it, we don't even catch it. But if we ever wonder, does God have humor? Here is demonstration that God has humor because Jesus says, well, you're trying to get that little speck, that little thing that can be so pesky out of your neighbor's eye. You don't just have a speck. You have a two-by-four coming out of your eye. Bigger than a two-by-four. The, the word used here, some commentators think he's actually referring to the giant hewn poles that would hold up the temple. He's talking about these giant pillars. You have a pillar coming out of your eye. How are you going to do anything? Just a little speck hurts. Just a little speck makes it hard to function. How are you going to do anything to help anyone else if you have this pillar, this monument coming out of your eye? And I'd imagine as Jesus said this, there was probably some laughter. People were thinking, ah, yeah, that's pretty funny, Jesus. A log coming out of of someone's eye, a, a, a giant hewn beam for the temple coming out of someone's eye. I mean, that's absurd, Jesus. Jesus says, here's what's not absurd. That may not happen physically. You, you don't have an eye left if you have a pillar coming out of it. But spiritually, as we're trying to get those specks out of other people's eyes, so often we have the spiritual equivalent of a pillar. We don't even realize it. Maybe we realize there's a little something in there and we're thinking, well, I, my speck is much smaller than the speck of my neighbor. But the thing is, our eyes shut, we can't really tell, and there's just this gaping board poking out from our face. Talk about being bored. Totally different meaning to it, huh? <laughs> so he says, that's our situation. And if you want to help other people, if you want to, to, to do what you're called to do as Christians, yes, we're supposed to help other people. If you want to do that, though, first you need to go ahead and get some wood removed from your own eyes. You need to get that hacksaw and start cutting it down. And then once it's down to some specks, then you need to flush your eyes out. But you have, you have some work to do, and then you're going to be able to help other people. And, and while it may not happen physically, this is exactly the truth that all of us find ourselves dealing with today as Christians. There are so many times that all of us have a whole lumber yard in our eyes and we don't even realize it. And it's hindering us from actually helping the people that we say we want to help and the people we sincerely want to help. It's hindering us from our mission as a church because we're so busy with our eyes closed reaching for something we can't really see because we're in too much pain to actually do any good. Here's what Jesus says. He says that whatever approach we take to this, whatever way we come about judging other people, that's how we receive judgment. That's a heavy challenge, isn't it? It's one that comes up in different forms throughout the Gospels, this idea that the way that God approaches us is reciprocal, that he challenges us to be like him. And if we outright refuse that, if we say, no, I don't need that, I don't have a lumberyard in my eyes then God goes ahead and allows us to have that lumberyard. What happens when, when instead we say, wait a second, I need help? God honors that. And that's the challenge here. Jesus is challenging us. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Here's something interesting about 
this passage. And just a preview, we're, we're not quite to verse 5 yet, but I'm going to jump to just one, the first two words of it. He addresses it, you hypocrites. And if you've read through the Gospels, that may not even strike you because Jesus uses that phrase a lot. But here's something interesting, and I didn't realize this until I was studying this particular passage. This is the only place in Scripture that you will find Jesus applying the word hypocrite to Christians. He uses it to speak to the Pharisees, those who were teaching God's law but weren't receiving the kingdom, weren't receiving him, didn't want to know what he was bringing into the world, were looking for every way to reject him. He, he used hypocrite over and over again with regards to them. But here he's speaking to us. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to his followers. And he says, you hypocrite as you do this. Why does Jesus decide to, to incorporate that here? I think it's because it's exactly true. Here we are, agents of grace, agents of God's mercy, recipients of it, those who, who desperately need God to transform us. And the temptation, the temptation is to fall into the very things that we're meant to reject. That as we seek to do what Jesus has called us to do, that we don't start to act like him, but we start to act like the Pharisees that rejected him. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Jesus had challenged us. This is earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. No problem, right? Easy? No, right? It, it's really, really hard. But, but what happens? We, we look at the list of things that Jesus calls us to do, and we start to do more of them, and, and we start to, to look at other people, and we, we start to understand, well, Jesus knows that we're not going to be perfect in this life fully, truly, and so what does that mean? Well, it means I'm looking more like him, and I look more like him than, than my coworkers. I look more like him than my fellow students. I look more like him than my neighbors. Anyone have an annoying neighbor that just drives you crazy and reminds you of how imperfect other people are? Hopefully they're not here tonight. We say, those people aren't perfect. Those people need God's grace. But I, I am following Jesus I am more like him each day. I pray, I read my Bible, I go to Bible study, I'm going to come in two weeks and go to Sunday School Express. I'm doing all these things. I am just Jesus, basically, to the world. That's where that comes from. It's not from Jesus. It's from the very one who opposes Jesus. Because what does he want? He wants us to start thinking, well, wait a second, Jesus got me jump-started, but I'm good to go now. I had a few specks in my eyes, but now I'm just taking care of the lumber yard in other people's eyes, and I'm going to get them straightened out. They are the ones that need help. And in that, we become less and less receptive to the very grace that we continue to need. We don't realize how much we are the ones who need the specks removed from our eyes. Our eyes need to be flushed out and restored so that we can see clearly and become so focused on what's going on with other people that we miss that. I read that a couple of years ago, there was a, a man who went hiking in, I believe it was Colorado, and he, he went out hiking on a trail, and it started getting later at night, and he couldn't quite discern where the trail was going, and the next thing he realized, he wasn't on the trail any longer, and he didn't know where the trail was, and so he started searching for this trail, 
somehow, amazingly, amazingly, he was still in cell phone range. And he was having an experience that many of us have, which is that his cell phone was getting calls from people we don't know. You get all those junk calls, right? And you just say, oh, boy, I'm just going to let that go to voicemail. I'm not going to mess with that, these junk calls. That's what he did. Well, you see, someone, I'm not sure if it was a neighbor, family member, someone became aware that this guy was missing and had reported him, and there were search and rescue people out looking for him to get him back on the trailhead to help rescue him. And they were calling him to, to rescue him, and he kept ignoring the calls because he thought they were junk callers. It took him 24 hours. He did actually survive. He did eventually get to a camp. But all these people are out there ready to rescue him. Think about the panic if you don't know where you are. And for whatever reason, it's not working in this guy's head to, to use his phone. He's just annoyed that he's getting junk calls. And right there, in what he thought was junk, was grace, was rescue, was exactly what he needed. And so often, our phones are buzzing. Our phone is buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. And we say, I... Can I just hit the silent thing? I, you know, I'm in church. I don't, I don't need this. Okay, I'm just going to put on do not disturb. Don't bug me. And what's buzzing? It's God calling us and saying, here's some grace for you. Here's a rescue for you. We ignore that we ourselves need this. The, the obvious thing right in front of us, the first thing we see isn't how much everyone else needs God's grace. It's how much we need God's grace. And friends, we're going to help other people. We're going to build this kingdom, God's kingdom. We're not going to do it by our own strength. And we're not going to do it thinking that we've gotten close enough to that command to be perfect that we can now handle it. We're going to do it by answering the calls that keep coming in from God, saying, here's some grace for you right now. So much easier to see how others are failing and, and so much easier to think, oh, can't can the FCC please block all these junk calls coming into my phone? And, and I, I'm trying to take care of getting back on this trail. I'm trying to get other people on the trail. And the search and rescue people are there looking for us. Can we be more receptive to that? Starting point. And for a lot of us, that's exactly the point we need to dwell today. But we also have to deal with the other side of the coin. And, and that is, what does it mean not to judge? Because here's what society says that means. Society says, Jesus said not to judge, therefore anything goes. Whatever you want to do, it's fine. It doesn't matter if God's word even explicitly says don't do it. Go ahead. Don't judge. Anyone that wants to judge you, anyone that says anything you do might be wrong, they have those logs coming out of their eyes. Just do whatever you want. Be happy. Matthew 7, verse 5. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Yes, when we have that log coming out of our eyes, when, when our eyes are closed shut, that shampoo is in there and burning, we can't grab the towel, we can't offer anything of meaning to anybody else. But it doesn't mean we don't seek to help other people. It doesn't mean that we don't take our collective abilities as the body of Christ with the Holy Spirit working in us and help people to understand when they've gone off, in, off the trailhead and they're lost. 
Sometimes we are sent out as part of God's search and rescue to the world to, to help them. It's just not where we start. First, we have to be rescued ourselves. And, and we have to continue to receive God's rescue as we keep being pulled off that trail. And once we start to actually receive that and he pulls us back onto the trail, then, then, Jesus says, then you help get the speck out of your brother's eye, out of your sister's eye. It's a step-by-step process. It's not a denial of the fact that people sometimes need correction. And sometimes God is going to use us as instruments of correction. What it is, is it's a denial of the idea that we already have everything so right that we don't need correction first. We get it out of order. And it ends up getting really, really messed up where we either don't think we need any correction at all ourselves, that, that everything's going to be taken care of if people would just hear our good plan for them and for God's life, Or we think God doesn't care what anyone does ever and the best thing we can do is just live and let live. And neither of those are a healthy answer. The healthy answer isn't to get the soap out of our eyes, to get the log out of our own eyes, to, have, to suddenly be able to see again and say, there's someone whose eyes are just welded shut, they're in dire pain and I'm just going to walk away because maybe there's another log that's going to come into my eye someday. No, we... we we want to help, and we should. It's a matter of changing attitude about it, and it's a matter of allowing God to be working in us and allowing us to mutually be working in each other so that we never think that we have it all figured out, that we're never thinking we're 100% speck and log free in our own eyes, but we're always ready to be corrected as we also are sometimes called to help correct. We need to start with ourselves. We need to think first and foremost, what am I doing wrong? What am I needing to be reshaped by God on in this situation? And that's so hard, especially when it hurts. When, when it hurts, you know, if I just close my eyes and reach for a towel, I could probably find it without much trouble. But when it's hurting, when it's stinging, it's really, really stinging, and you're just trying to go quickly, it's so destructive. It's the same thing here. When we're stinging from the wounds of those around us, and we're trying to figure out how do I deal with this pain? Oftentimes our sinful nature says, well, I'm going to correct them. And there might be some holiness in that because we should bring our offenses to each other, we should bring our hurts to each other and seek to cleanse each other, but the problem is we forget that part, I need to be cleansed too, I need to be corrected too, I need to understand where I'm not seeing clear." It's really easy to say and really hard to do. But it's so important if we're going to function as a church. It's so important if we're going to be the body of Christ in this world. Because we see a world that doesn't like to be wrong. We see a world that anytime someone is found to be wrong, that person always tries to change what happened, always tries to change the truth, and use it as a cover so that there really wasn't any wrong to begin with. We should be as Christians, as repenters in chief, we should be following the Savior who didn't demand what he was even owed but took on our sin, and we, those who sin, should be eager to have God wipe those bits of specks out of our eyes. Jesus isn't denying that we need judgment in the sense of sometimes saying that there is a truth and that that truth speaks to a situation, that truth isn't what people want it to be. If he were saying that, he wouldn't go on, even in this very chapter, in this last third of the Sermon on the Mount, 
with various times where he brings judgments on people. With various times he says we should be discerning and we should hold up the truth and we shouldn't. For example, next week we're going to be talking about the command not to cast pearls before swine. He's not talking about literal pigs. He's talking about people. We're going to get to that and what he means by that next week. But the starting point is there's clearly some judgment going on here. There's some judgment if we're going to say some people are pigs that we shouldn't cast God's pearls to. What in the world does that mean? Well, it means that we're going to be discerning. It means that there is a time to stand for truth. Before he goes into that, he wants to make sure that we're first asking God, God, where am I blind? Let me see. Where am I in pain from what's in my eyes and I don't even realize that God wipe it away. Where am I lost on that trailhead? God, bring me back on the trail. We check our own lives first. We check our own inclinations first. We check our own biases first, and we say, God, help me. That's a crucial, crucial part, because here's the thing. When I think about it myself, you know, it's funny. Everyone else in here, you guys get it wrong. You don't always have everything right. You get a lot of things wrong. You're not always nice to the other people in this church. You're not always nice to the people that you work with and you study with and you, you live with and around. I don't know what's wrong with all of you. I don't have any problems. I mean, if everyone could be reasonable like me, it would be just fine in this world. What's the problem? Anyone else ever have that kind of impression about the world around you? You think, well, if everyone could just see things, I can see it, why can't they? The problem is we're not seeing our own biases, our own flaws. Where's my sin getting in the way of helping other people? The impulse to take the speck out of our brother's eye, our sister's eye, to, to help rid the world of all specks, that's a good impulse, that's a holy impulse as long as it's directed as people who understand that we are those who are being healed of specks ourselves, that we are having the shampoo wiped out of our eyes ourselves. Once we, we ask that question and we ask it to God, we don't just ask it to ourselves because you know what? When we ask it to ourselves, we say, mm, self, it looks pretty good in here. Spotless, past inspection yet again, perfect score. When we ask God, God, would you nudge me with your Holy Spirit and show me where I'm wrong? God, would you actually let me feel the pain of getting that speck out of my eye because I want to be like you. I don't want it to stay there. God's going to prepare us to then help be speck removers. Now, the second question we need to ask once we get past that, because our second issue is, we know that other people need their specs out, but we don't think about how we like to have our specs removed. You know, if, if I had that shampoo in, I want to just gently take that, that towel and just start wiping away. If, if, if I have a, a wood speck or some other particle in my eye, I want to take maybe some uh, liquid tears and try to flush it out, you know, work on it. Jo nothing bad, right? But we say to everyone else, here, let me get this razor blade. I can just swipe that thing out of there. No problem. It'll, it'll be really efficient this way. Second question we need to ask ourselves is, how can I do this in a way that doesn't cause injury? My goal is to help people recover from an injury. My goal is to help people be more like Jesus. 
not to leave a bunch of people that were temporarily blinded, permanently blinded. And so often that's exactly what we do. One commentator reflecting on this said that Jesus here is describing the golden rule of judging. You think about the golden rule in general. What, what's the golden rule? <laughs> now that's the Frenkie golden rule, I'm pretty certain. Uh, what was it? Yes, exactly. Very good. Rob gets 100 brownie points for that. Yes. Uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And if you think about it, this is basically, if we want to paraphrase it, judge others as you want them to judge you. Now, our first inclination can be, okay, I'm going to go back to that societal thing. It sounds pretty good. I would prefer that no one ever judge me. It'd be so much easier if everyone just said, Tim, you're so right all the time. How do you maintain this perfect level of rightness? I mean, wouldn't, uh, here, let's high five over how right you are again. I mean, that, that's, wouldn't that be nice? And, and yet, is that really what I want? Do I really want everyone to be telling me, yeah, the road is open, it's safe, it's good as I'm getting ready to drive off the cliff? No, I want people to say you're wrong. You need to pay attention to the GPS, you dummy. That's why you have Siri. Listen to her. Or that's why there's science up to tell you that Siri's wrong. Listen to them. We want those times that people are going to save us from greater pain, right? We don't necessarily enjoy it, but there are plenty of times that someone's going to give us a helping hand even point out that we're wrong on something and, and it's actually going to be ultimately where we're thankful and we say, thank you for saying that. I might not thank you right now. I might even be crabby right now about it, but a few weeks from now as I'm reflecting on it and I didn't drive off that cliff and I'm not in traction in the hospital hoping someday to be able to move again, then I'm going to be thanking you for telling me not to drive off that cliff. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Golden rule of judging is judge in a way that's helpful and constructive, in a way that restores and doesn't destroy, in a way that brings us together as the body of Christ, doesn't separate us. That's what we're called to do. We're called to strive, as Jesus says in, in the Upper Room Discourse in John chapter 17, what is he praying? That, that we would be one like he and the Father are one. We can't do that when we're separated by specks. We can't do that when we have boards sticking out of our eyes. We do that by having God remove those from us and then helping others lovingly to get the specks out of their eyes too. We want people to point out the genuine problems in our lives. We may not enjoy it, but we want it. And so the golden rule of judging is to judge in a way that's helpful and constructive, just as we want helpful and constructive judgment towards us. We should be fair and we should be accurate. It boils down to grace. It boils down to understanding who we are and who the people around us are. Every person you're going to encounter in life is someone who's made in the image of God. And then when you're in the church, when we're with our brothers and sisters in Christ, who are we? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're people redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Is that who we see the people around us as? If we do, do we understand how it breaks God's heart when we fall into the sort of judgment the world calls us into? or when we simply don't care what's going on in other people's lives. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. Paul is writing, he's gone through all kinds of encouraging things, but here in the midst of all that, he says this, I entreat Eudoria and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. 
Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Think about these verses for a moment. We can just kind of pass them by. We don't know anything about these two ladies. We know nothing about them. But what do we know? God knows them. Paul knew them. And in this book of the Bible, Philippians, that God inspired, God had placed in his Bible for all time, he thought it was worth including the fact that they weren't getting along and that someone should help them to get along. Why? We don't even know what their conflict was. But here's what we can pretty much guess. What we we do know is that they have those boards sticking out of their eyes. And they're basically jousting with each other. They have these boards and they come up and they just bump into each other's other eye and now they both have boards stuck in both eyes. That's how bad it is, presumably. This is a situation that Paul from a distance says, I've heard about this and it needs to be corrected. But what he doesn't say is, deal with those immoral, horrible women that are bickering in the church. What does he say? He calls them fellow workers. Fellow workers. Here are the people I labor with to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus. They're not getting along. Help them. Here are people written, he says, in the book of life going to be in heaven together. We're all going to be in heaven together. And we're already in the kingdom of heaven together. Help them. And I have to imagine, this is purely my imagining, but I have to imagine is that letter was being read and these these two ladies are sitting there in the church. They probably were even a little bit on the way in. (sighs) If only Paul knew what was that, that... that scoundrel over there was doing. And they hear this, and I have to think maybe they start to have those specks flush out of their eyes as they're just weeping. They're hearing, wait a second. This is not good. This is not of God. This division is bad. It's wicked. It's evil. Paul doesn't say either of them are completely wrong. I think they probably both were right on some things. They both had hurt each other. They both had something that needed to be cleaned out of the other's eye. And so often as we go through this church, and, and I pray God's going to leave this church here for a very long time, that, that long after all of us are gone, that this church continues to proclaim this gospel. And you know what? We can, we can say definitely if that's the case. There are going to be an awful lot of logs and an awful lot of specks that are going to come through these doors or whatever other doors Little Hills meets in. question is, are we going to have our hearts broken as much as Jesus does when that happens? Is it going to bother us until it's fixed? And is it going to bother us not in the sense of, I can't believe that speck in that other person's eye, but Jesus, help remove the speck from my eye and help me to lovingly remove the speck from the other person's eye. We want to spear each other. We want to restore each other. Chris, if you could uh, hand out those uh, items I, I gave you, you're going to get a, a piece of paper and a toothpick. We're going to do a little game together, okay? You're going to, we're going to test our coordination together. And as Chris is passing these out, I just want us to think about 
one more time this picture that Jesus is describing. Because you realize that when we have specks in our eyes, it makes it hard for us to see. But if we have something actually, uh, basically a projectile sticking out of our eyes, we not only can't see, we can't get near anyone. And I'm going to go ahead and grab one of these from Chris. Oh, thank you, Commander. And you're going to see this piece of paper here. And it's intentionally small. But it says, another person spec. And if you're online, just take a piece of paper. And if you have a toothpick handy, you can, you can do this as well. But here, here is a toothpick. And this toothpick, for the sake of for our exploration here, is a log, OK? So here's this little speck. This speck needs to be removed. This speck is black. It's sin. It needs to go. There's nothing good about this speck here. And so we say, well, how can I help those around me get rid of those specks? But Jesus says, we have this log in our eyes. And so I want you to take your hand holding on to this log as you get this paper, and I want you to figure out how you're going to pick up this speck and remove it. Okay? And now, see what, I, I could go this way, but I'm going to puncture a hole in the person's eye, right? I don't want to do that. Now, I could, I, I don't want to bruise and break them. I'm trying to somehow correct this person, right? I'm trying to help get rid of that speck in that person's eye. And um, maybe if you're a master chopstick person, you could figure this out. But, you know, I, I try to, oh, I'm, you know, I, maybe I can, uh, uh, now I just drop them <laughs> equivalent of many stories down, they're dead, right? Um, I'm trying to get this speck out, and I can't. And you can try this. It's so hard to do. Any, anyone successfully picking up and just gently lifting off this speck without it falling, without puncturing it, using this toothpick? No, and I can't even get there to do it. But guess what happens when God removes the speck from the log from my own eyes, I just have my fingers again. I can go here. And what do you know? I can pick it up, and I can take it out of the person's eye. And I haven't injured them because I can do it gently and lovingly. Friends, so often what we do in the Christian life, even as we preach grace and even as we believe grace, is we still have this log in our eyes, and we're going through and we're skewering the people around us. We're wrinkling them up. We're beating them up. We're dropping them to the floor. What we really need to say is, God, take away this, this log. Take it out of my hands. Take it out of my eye. So I can pick it up and I can lovingly remove what the people around me are struggling with. That's our calling. That's our calling. Don't spear. Don't destroy. Restore. Getting to the righteous place we're supposed to be, getting to the place where our eyes are clear and the people around us can see clearly as well is something that we need to do together. Because as long as we're, we're holding on to that speck and we're focused on that and someone else and we, we have that log in our eyes, we're just going to skewer and destroy. But when we do it together and we say, I need help, you need help, let's help each other, let's lift each other up, let's build each other up, God will honor that. He'll take away these logs. And all of us can be closer to Jesus 
can be closer to his grace, and we can show that grace to the world around us. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we all walk around with with giant logs sticking out of our eyes, and we don't see them. We don't even realize they're there. We just see the specks in those eyes around us. What do we end up doing? We end up impaling each other, breaking each other, killing each other. With that little speck, and we end up doing so much damage trying to remove it. It's not that you don't want those specks removed. You just want us to lean on you You just want us to be agents of grace. You want us to understand who we are and how much we need you, that we would then show that grace to the people around us who need help with those specs as well. Would you help us to be people who do that, people who love, people who restore, people who yearn for restoration, people who hate brokenness, people who want to be fulfilling the very prayer that you pray that we would be one. As the world looks at us, they don't see brokenness. They don't see people fighting just like they do in the world, but instead they would see something different and something that can only come by your strength. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.